excited to be beginning a new series today uh, called Can I Ask That? And uh, really can't wait to see what, uh, what, what comes of this because over the next five weeks, uh, we're gonna be looking at some uh, pretty tough questions. Uh, ones that I, I hope will challenge our faith, ones that I, I hope will uh, keep, us, uh, keep us on our toes a little bit when it comes to how we uh, process our faith and what we believe and why we believe it. Um, because I don't know about you, but, uh, but I enjoy questions. Uh, we all have questions. If you've got a, a toddler, uh, there's one question that you get asked over and over and over again, why? 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 I remember when my kids were growing up, that became that the bane of our existence as parents, wasn't it? Uh, you know, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Why do I have to wear shoes? Why do I have to wear underwear? Why do I have to take a bath? I mean, all of those things uh, that we had to deal with. Um, and these questions, though, they, they I think, invoke a, a bit of curiosity for us. And sometimes as adults, um, we stop asking questions. And I think that's a mistake. I think we need to begin asking questions um, just about uh, so many things. So there are some questions uh, that are easy. Uh, what time is it? But then when you start thinking about it, you've got relativity and time travels faster when you're uh, on top of, or slower when you're on top of a mountain than you are closer to the center of mass or you approach speed the light. So what time is it is actually a pretty tough question. So scratch that one. Um, what is uh, two plus two? Um, that equals four. It seems so simple, but <laughs> you have to have an assumed knowledge of integers and addition and sums. And so that's a tough question as well. Uh, so let me scratch all of that. Uh, questions can be difficult even when they seem simple. Um, th then you get to the very interesting questions. I've written down a, a couple here. Can you explain quantum mechanics to me? That, that's a good one. Uh, another uh, uncomfortable one. Uh, Dad, where do babies come from? <laughs> that moment. Uh, go ask your mother. She knows. <laughs> uh, some can be helpful. Where's the bathroom? Uh, and uh, by the way, this is a, I'm going to give you a travel tip uh, when we can travel again. Uh, learn that phrase or learn that question uh, in every language, right? Donde esta el baño? I think that's correct. Hopefully I didn't just ask for something weird. <laughs> uh, but uh, so where's the bathroom, right? So we have all of these questions. And again, as adults, sometimes we stop asking questions. We stop being curious. I like questions. They help us uh, wrestle with the reality of the world around us. Um, and it's no different when it comes to matters of faith. And for some reason, in matters of faith, we have uh, relegated questions and have attached to them this stigma of doubt, that if you ask any questions at all, or at least uh, some questions, then all of a sudden you doubt God, you doubt your faith, you doubt your beliefs, you doubt Jesus. I mean, all of these things. And um, again, I think that's a mistake. Because uh, think about this just for a moment. If our God can't handle our questions, I think that makes our God way too small. And if our faith can't handle the questions that are asked of it, I think that means that our faith is too small as well. And so this struggle that we have when it comes to the kind of the, the deep, meaningful questions of life are very real. And so it's okay to ask the questions. And so this series is all dealing with that. Can I ask that? And we want to give you permission to ask those questions. God is big enough to answer your questions. And our faith is strong enough as well. 
Here's a couple of things though, a couple of uh, maybe guidelines as we get into the series. We're not gonna answer every aspect of every question uh, that we're gonna be posing. Uh, some of these questions theologians have been wrestling with for thousands of years and finding answers to them have proven to be pretty difficult. And yet it, it enriches our faith when we struggle with those difficult questions. And, and uh, so we won't answer every nuance and every bit of every question. Um, you may disagree with the answers that are given here in the next five weeks or so. Uh, some of those you might go, oh, I didn't think about it, so I agree with that, or I didn't think about it, and maybe, Pastor, you should think differently about it. So I understand that. I know that these are, um, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of nuances, and some of these things we, we hold very, very tight and closed to us when it comes to uh, certain beliefs. Others are a little more open-handed, and so we're going to walk through uh, some of those difficulties and we're going to try to avoid simple answers. Um, sometimes in faith, we will say something like, well, because the Bible says so. And while I, in essence, agree with that, and obviously the, the foundation of the word is absolutely vital to our faith, if that is the only answer that we can drum up, uh, we might not be on a solid ground as we think. And so I don't wanna just uh, go to these very simple answers. I want us to be able to dig a little bit and uh, find that our faith can handle these questions. One last thing to remember in all of this. There's this guy in the New Testament, his name is Thomas, and he's gotten a bad rap. Everybody calls him Doubting Thomas, as if that's a, a really negative thing. Um, but if you read the story of Thomas after the resurrection of Christ, uh, I think you'll find out something very, very interesting. Thomas, in, in wrestling and struggling with this, said, I, you know, I, I won't believe until I see with my own eyes or I touch with my own hands. Um, and I love what Jesus does with these doubts. I love what Jesus does in essence with these questions that Thomas has. Um, Jesus shows up specifically for Thomas. It's like he comes into the room at that moment and he's like, okay, where's Thomas? I need to show him this because I want to answer the doubts. I wanna answer the questions where Thomas is. So he calls him over, shows him the scars in his hands, the, uh, the, the uh, puncture wound in his side, and shows that this is the risen Christ. Jesus didn't shy away from those doubts. Jesus didn't shy away from the questions that somebody had when they were honestly and earnestly seeking. And Thomas had the joy then of uh, receiving an answer directly from the Lord. And so it's okay. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to wrestle with your faith and have really, uh, really tough questions because we're going to try to deal with some of those in the series. So with everything that's currently happening uh, in the world around us, uh, when we see the news, and uh, if you watch too much news, I think it can be uh, quite depressing. Um, we see the bad news of continuing uh, death toll rises and continuing case rises uh, around the world. Um, and we know that prior to the coronavirus, uh, prior to the sickness that has, uh, that has impacted so many people, um, that there were struggles and difficulties and challenges in the world uh, that I mean, have been ever since humanity uh, got, got put on this planet. Um, so we know that those struggles are real. We know that there has, has been suffering and difficulty, but over the last four months, uh, that this idea of suffering seems to have found its way to feel more present to be more um, kind of contemporary with where we are. Oftentimes in America, uh, we can hold suffering off uh, to a distance, 
but even here in America, where we are, we are blessed and have so many, um, so many incredible blessings, uh, we feel it. We, we feel this question rising within us dealing with suffering. Um, but something that we need to remember at the very at the core of, of all of this is that um, we believe that we serve a God who is powerful. We believe that we serve a God who heals. We believe that we serve a God who is good. And yet we still have this question that rolls around in our hearts and our minds. And people who are outside the faith have this question as well. And here it is. Why doesn't God stop suffering? Why doesn't he stop suffering? If he's good and powerful and he wants to heal, why doesn't God stop suffering? Now, again, uh, theologians have wrestled with this uh, for thousands of years. It's actually quite a, quite a difficult question uh, and one that, um, that we do need to wrestle with a bit. We've perhaps heard this, um, heard this manifest in the way that a husband talks about the passing of a wife, um, maybe when they were far, far, far too young. Um, I have a friend of mine whose husband passed in a sleep uh, right next to her uh, when he was about 23 years of age, uh, the paragon of health and uh, the suffering that went along with that. You've got that, that sense where, a, uh, where, where parents are potentially um, wondering where God is uh, with the diagnosis of cancer in their, uh, in their young child. So we, we feel this very close to us at times and we wonder where God is in the middle of it. Um, I have a friend of mine uh, who was also trafficked when she was about 21 years of age, um, found a boyfriend, was eventually trafficked in Las Vegas and spent many, many years um, uh, in the sex slave trade in Las Vegas. And this was one of her big questions uh, that she struggled with very early on as she came to Christ was, God, where were you? Why, why didn't you stop this? How, how could this have been prevented? So this brings up those, those really big questions. Did, did God cause this to happen? Did God take my wife's life to, uh, um, to make me grow in a way or for some purpose that I'm unaware of? Um, did, uh, this is a big one. What sin did I commit that took the life of a loved one? Right? We, we wrestle with those things. And I'm sure that some who are watching uh, in a traumatic time in your life, you begin to wonder, what, what sin did I do? How did I... Did God do this to me as punishment? Why this suffering? Uh, there's this great story in Genesis of a guy by the name of Joseph. And uh, we don't have time to go through all of Joseph's story, obviously. But in, uh, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, we, we have this, this incredible phrase um, that I think is going to help us uh, as, we, as we begin to answer this question. So as a review, Joseph uh, was thrown into a cistern by a, a well, basically, uh, by his brothers, some brothers there, right? Uh, sold into slavery, uh, sent to Egypt, um, eventually thrown into prison there in Egypt. He rose to great power um, and uh, helped guide Egypt over a number of years into, uh, into prosperity. Um, his brothers and family make their way to Egypt because there was a famine in the land of Israel, along with many other places. And so they come due to suffering. They make their way to Egypt. 
and eventually are reintroduced to Joseph. It's an incredible story. You got to read it in, uh, in the book of Genesis. But at this one point, after Joseph's father dies and the, and the, and the brothers, uh, their, their father dies, and they are worried about what Joseph is going to do to them. They mistreated Joseph while the father was alive. They felt like they were protected. Um, but here is this moment where uh, they come to him. They're bowing down to him. They're fearful that Joseph is going to do something bad to them. Um, and uh, because they had done some bad things uh, to Joseph. And this is what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50. He says, you wanted to harm me, but God used it for good. Joseph said to his brothers, you wanted to harm me, but God used it for good. Now, your version of the Bible, there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to translate the, this, uh, this particular scripture. Some of them say, you know, you intended for evil and God intended for good. But this word there, uh, when we translate it as used, it helps us begin to wrestle with this idea of suffering because Joseph suffered tremendously. Guaranteed in slavery, he was mistreated, he was beaten, he was broken. Uh, that suffering there, and Joseph is wondering while he's in the prison, in the cistern, going, okay, God, what did I do? What, what did I do to deserve this? How, how did all of this come to pass? Am I responsible for this? Are you responsible for it, God? But that's not really what it's saying at all. <laughs> Somebody intended evil and harm, and God used it for good. And I like this. This is from a book called God Can't by Thomas J. Ord. It says, God took what God didn't want and squeezed good from it. God brought good from bad, positive from negative, health from hate. God redeemed. God redeemed. And that is a word for some of you today. That things that have been, have been in, intended for your harm, God is able to use them, to turn them, to redeem them. For some of us, this is tough to process. Something happened that God didn't intend. Something happened that God didn't want to happen. But here's the opposite. If we begin claiming that God abused Joseph, if we begin claiming that God caused the famine that led to the destruction of so many lives in Egypt and Israel, God caused it, God did this, God wanted this, God wanted evil to happen. I don't think that's the God that we serve. So there is wrapped in this, this idea that our God is a God of uncontrolling love. We're gonna unpack that a little bit uh, here this morning. So the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, that uh, God cannot deny himself. That this is a, a foundational part of who God is. It says in the book of 1 John, God is love. This is who he is and he cannot deny that. So if God cannot deny himself, we now see how this applies to the question of God's power and evil in that interaction. If God's nature is love, love never controls, then God would have to deny his love to control others. But God can't do that. God can't deny his love. And so his love is always uncontrolling. So here's a big idea. There are things that God can't do. Uh, and what I'm talking about are things that are against his nature. Uh, there's this old argument and old question there. Can God make a rock so big 
that he can't move it. If he can't, that means God can't do everything. If he can, then all of a sudden he's made something that he can't. So it's, it's a ridiculous question. So God's not going to make that rock because it's against his character. It makes no sense. In the same sort of way in this moment, God, um, God doesn't control us because of love. As soon as he exerts complete control over humanity, he no longer loves completely. So when anyone rebels against love, the result is pointless pain, pointless suffering, <laughs> genuine evil. You see, because resistance to God's love leads to destruction. And we see that over and over and over again in the written word, which we're going to discover is absolutely trustworthy uh, this next week. And so this brings us back to Joseph and his brothers. Joseph and his brothers were acting outside of the, the, the best, uh, best thoughts and, and uh, desires of God. And because they were operating outside of that, they were doing evil because God was not controlling them. But God used these circumstances to redeem the love that God has for Joseph and eventually the love that God has for his brothers. God, as a God of uncontrolling love, can't stop suffering, can't stop evil single-handedly. Man, and I know that this is shocking to hear this, but I think in the bottom line, if we start to really think about it, what's God looking for? God is looking for us as his people to partner with him in love. And in so doing, we begin to reduce suffering, reduce evil, reduce harm in the world around us. So victims needn't say, thank you, God, because that evil occurred. It wasn't God's will, but they can believe that God works in every situation, that God will use these situations and redeem them. He's trying to squeeze the good from all the bad that is around us that God didn't want in the first place. And they can say, in spite of the pain and the tragedy, and I'm quoting here from, uh, from uh, Thomas Ord, in spite of the pain and tragedy, I'm grateful for the good that's in my life, good that has God as its source. And this is the good that we need to partner with God to create and to grow and to have flourishing in the world around us. And so this helps me when I think about the suffering in the world, about the evil in the world. God does not control humanity towards evil. Likewise, God does not control humanity towards love. He's created this invitation through his son, Jesus Christ. That perfect example of someone who has given themselves wholeheartedly to following after the direction of God. So he invites all of us towards love. Those that don't participate, evil becomes the default eventually. And harm comes to our world, injustice, abuse, hate, persecution, evil, racism. All of that stuff comes from people and from those who are not cooperating with the love that God has for us and for his creation. If we don't necessarily thank God for the bad things that have happened in our life, here's what we can do. We can thank God that in the suffering that God was with us. Because we can thank God that he gave us the courage to make it out of that time of suffering in our life. That he gave us the courage to face, uh, face you know, kind of head to head the difficult circumstances 
that were in our lives. We can thank God for being the source of all good. Even in pain, we can thank God for being the source of friendship and hope and breath and more. Being thankful for the beauty that God has created, being thankful for the goodness that he has put into our lives through those who are following after him, through those who are exhibiting the goodness and the grace of God. But we can be clear-eyed about the evil that's in the world around us. Recognize that God didn't cause that evil. Those are the free will choices of so many people that lead to that destruction. And yet here we are with this invitation that leads to life. And so no, God didn't cause your son to die so that you would be a better Christian. God didn't make cancer uh, come into your body as a result of lying about shoplifting when you were a teenager. God didn't make the coronavirus and unleash death on hundreds of thousands. But God can take what God didn't want and he can squeeze good from it. C.S. Lewis uh, has this uh, great quote um, on this matter and he says, we can ignore pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So in the season of suffering and loss and grief, let us be attentive to the loving God that is drawing us to his uncontrolling love. Jesus, I love it. Jesus reveals God's nature of uncontrolling love because he freely gave his life. And he freely answered the questions of someone like Thomas who was struggling with his beliefs and struggling with his doubts. Believing that God's love is relational and uncontrolling gives life meaning because it implies that our lives matter. That the decisions that we make today have huge consequences, not only in our lives, but in the lives around us. Are we causing the love of God through the decisions that we make to be expanded into the world around us? Are, are we leading with grace? Are we giving with, with grace? Or are we making decisions that are leading away from God's love? Romans 8, 28 uh, says this, and I think uh, in this version it, it brings to light something that is super important for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says that we know in everything, in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. God's invitation is to us to work with him in cooperation because it's through us and in working with him and bringing about the grace of Christ to bear on our neighbors, on our friends, and our families, to ourselves. Uh, this is where God is best revealed. It's in these relationships where that love is being expressed. So God heals, God protects, God redeems, God saves, God empowers, God inspires, he calls, he creates, he guides, he sanctifies, he persuades, he transforms, and so much more in loving relationship with the creation that he made. And so when suffering enters into our world, just know that God didn't cause the suffering. Suffering is a result of a world that has gone haywire. 
Suffering is a result and evil is a result of a, of a world that is out of whack with God's uncontrolling love. And yet because God has uncontrolling love, he's not gonna force himself in a particular direction, not gonna force himself for you to love him. He's not gonna force himself for you to deny him. He leaves it open for us to participate in his love. So in response to this, I'm just gonna ask you some questions uh, here uh, this morning. Uh, number one, where can you bring the love of God in the midst of suffering? Where, where, can, where can you begin to reveal this uncontrolling love of God in the midst of suffering? Where can you bring hope to the hopeless and the victimized? Where can you partner to bring healing where there's sickness? This is our chance to shine, uh, Life Church Utah. This is our opportunity to show that, the, uh, uh, that, that as we lead the people in the valley to be more like Jesus, this is exactly what Jesus would be doing. This is exactly where Jesus would be, um, is reaching those who've been broken, reaching those who've been victimized, reaching those who have been hurt, reaching those who are suffering. And I'm so grateful for, for the many, many people who have uh, volunteered at Life Church. Uh, over the past couple of weeks um, uh, for our uh, farmer's market, many other ways, our life group leaders who are, who are revealing this uncontrolling love of God to the life groups. Um, I'm just so thrilled at the way that God is using you. But you might be uh, sitting out there wondering, uh, does God love you? Does God have a plan for your life? Uh, you might be in the midst of suffering right now and you wanna be introduced to this God of uncontrolling love who wants his best to be displayed in your life. I'm gonna invite you right now um, to experience this uncontrolling love of God uh, very, very simply. His son, Jesus Christ, was the greatest example. We heard about it a couple of weeks ago at Easter, gave himself, sacrificed himself willingly uh, for us to show us the, the, the new way to the Father, to show us uh, that, that recreated, uh, resurrected life uh, that we can uh, enjoy now. So I'm gonna invite you to pray with me just a very, very simple prayer. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for changing my life. Help me to follow you. Help me to give you my best. And Lord, I trust you with my life. I know I don't have all of the answers, but Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, thank you for taking my sins, making me clean, and forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, uh, perhaps for the first time, maybe you've uh, prayed that before, I'm going to invite you to, uh, to join us on a journey. It's about a month-long uh, journey. And if you text the word journey to 74574, uh, that will give you a link uh, to hear some podcasts and ways that you can begin uh, this journey with Jesus Christ. Many people uh, before you have done this and uh, want to invite you to that. So text the word journey to 74574. All right, Father, thank you for the people of Life Church. Thank you, God, for these who have gathered uh, together online. Lord, we long for the day when we can gather together again. But God, thank you for wisdom. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to celebrate you. And God, ultimately, let it be said of us that we are the people that live out Romans 8, 28. Because God, we know that in everything, God, you are working for good with those who love you. So God, we wanna be counted among those who are with you. That, God, we want to be people that are showing and describing and living the uncontrolling love of God. We want to respond to you, God, because we know by us living for you that, God, we are reducing suffering and pain and hate and racism and all of that. God, we are reducing that in the world because we're following you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. 
Father, we pray for healing. Ask God for those uh, who, who need healing from you, that you would uh, touch them. Those who currently are without jobs, Lord, we pray supernaturally you would provide jobs for them. And uh, God, that you would intervene in our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to invite you to uh, stay tuned uh, right after uh, we end this uh, in this uh, service. Uh, we are going to be going live um, on Facebook and uh, to answer questions. I'm sure some of the things that I've talked about today have posed some questions for you. And I look forward to being able to uh, interact with you on Facebook Live. You'll be able to leave your comments and ask your questions. And uh, let's continue to process this together. So God bless you guys. Once this goes off, we'll be heading uh, right into the uh, to the live room. God bless you.